When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. from Hollywood, California, the horror capital of the world, the Boulay Brothers, Creatures of the Night. holidays uglies and welcome to our annual holidays of horrors episode as always we are your ghost hosts and winter wraiths for this ethereal episode the belay brothers track morda and swan thula and for the last eight episodes of creatures of the night we've been reviewing new episodes of season five of the belay brothers dragula but as the show is currently on hiatus for two weeks due to the holiday break we have decided to dedicate this entire episode to all things horror and holiday themes. Yay! Joining us for Christmas dinner tonight is the elf in charge of the naughty and nice list, the supervising producer of the Belay Brothers Dragula, and our co-host here on Creatures of the Night, it's Ian, everyone. Ooh, I've been a naughty little ho, ho, ho. <laughs> so what's new? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, sorry. I actually made my way off of the naughty list, and I am on the nicey cutie list this year i didn't see santa claus kissing mommy but i may have partaken in a little bit of santa sack anyway anyway. Uh, yikes that reminds me of this thing that did you just lay uh did you lay on the ground and put your head into the fireplace and hope for the best oh yeah i'm like santa come on that that is one epic tea bag Wow. Damn. <laughs> Unwrapped. So did you get everything you wanted for Christmas this year? I did everything and more. I think that having a little bit of a break for the holidays has been good because no one has been screaming at us. There's been no mm-hmm. death threats. And honestly, that's all the Christmas <laughs> cheer I could ask for. That's, mm-hmm. that's what I wanted this year and I got it. So thank you everyone <sighs> at home. Yes, thank you all. (laughs) (laughs) All of our uh, little elves on the naughty list. All right, so it is our holiday episode. So we have to talk about holiday-themed stuff. So I have a question for you all. Why does Christmas feel so sort of horror? It feels like the perfect setting for a horror movie. Do you all think that? (sighs) I love Christmas horror. And I think it really... (laughs) I really do. Like, nothing says Christmas like being scared for your life. No, (laughs) Because it's a quiet time and it reminds you of being young and family and maybe people that have passed, it's somber. It's also celebratory. There's kind of like, there's a soundscape to it. There's a lightscape to it. I just think it has like such a magical quality. I agree. I love Christmas, P.S. I love the holiday season. And I think that when we think about the classic hallmarks of the holidays, and especially of Christmas, I think it's no wonder why we think it's horror. A delicious fat man breaks into your house, passes judgment on you. In some cultures, he would put you into his sack and then beat you. There's also ghost stories. Sounds like a date of yours. Oh, yeah, I have been on this date. <laughs> 
and also St. <laughs> Nick, please call. <laughs> he goes, did you? <laughs> oh, he ghost of Christmas past. <laughs> oh wow. I think there's something about the lights. It like okay, if you're if you're from the East Coast or from a place where it snows, a lot of times it will snow around Christmas time. And I think there's something about the the red lights and the it's cold and dark mm-hmm. and i think you know after dark around christmas it feels kind of spooky you're making me think of a christmas classic black christmas and sort of the feeling of everything shuts down so maybe mm-hmm. there's almost this feeling of like no one's coming to help you right yeah no one like the, the streets are snowed in you're snowed in if anything were to happen oh you should feel cozy oh you should oh but no 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 you're trapped inside. Definitely right. a, a sense of isolation, but also when snow is thick on the ground, there's like a silence it's that like happens. Insulation. Your screams yeah. yes. will not be heard. And that's what it feels like. Yeah, and it's it's cold and it's sort of like, I don't know, it's just, there's a weird vibe to it. But I think also there's a weird haunting feeling to it. Maybe it's what you said about like people that, you know, family, you know, cause when you're little, you see family members that are like old and then they're not there. I don't know. It's, there's something kind of yeah. ghostly about the holidays. I For think. sure. All right. Here's another holiday theme question. What is the worst or the weirdest Christmas gift you have ever received? I'm not going to do that to my mother. (laughs) (laughs) I think the worst and weirdest Christmas gift I've ever received is my best friend, who I will not name on the podcast, but they gave me a box set of Burt's Bees beeswax-related products. Okay. And I am deathly allergic to bees. And, wow. And she knew that I was allergic. Like we have talked about it. She and Did I, you say something about it? After? Oh hell yeah. We have matching B tattoos. What did he say? I was like, now Miss Girl, <laughs> I would like for you to investigate in your own mind how am I supposed to use these products? And he's like, Well, what do you mean? I'm like, I am fucking allergic. He's like, Well, you're not like that allergic. I'm like, I am like anaphylactic shock allergic. And he goes, Oh. So could I have it back? Like, no. oh, son of a bitch. You're like, Diva, your wig is squeezing your brain too tight. <laughs> you are missing the point. Yep. So okay. give it back to her. That is a death. Yeah. So your friend tried to kill you for Christmas. <laughs> that's a pretty weird one. I feel like that's, that's in the Christmas spirit though. Put this death juice on your lips. <laughs> <laughs> However, mm. I bet that really would have plumped your lips up oh, in a really mama. nice way. <laughs> DSLs for Mr. <laughs> and maybe Mrs. Claus. <laughs> People pay good money for that. That's true. So how about this? Did you ever give a Christmas gift that was a big flop? And you were like, wow, why did it? Like if you were the person that if, gave Oh, if it, I was yeah. Miss Girl. I don't know that I've ever given a mega flop gift, but I will <laughs> say I used to be a big old Christmas F-slur. And I used to like get really into like the wrapping of Christmas presents. Okay. I used to like hand make wrapping paper. Oh, wow. Well, I, good I love thing, that. Isn't it? Or did yeah. it just out you? <laughs> what, <basically> what, <laughs> what was a flop is my wrist. When I gave it to them. 
Did you That's have hilarious. giant square, like three inch nails when you were oh, putting it hell together? Yeah. No, but seriously, Diva, like I would like take like sheets of uh, tissue paper uh-huh. and I would like melt crayon wax into them for these like, J- like Jackson Pollock patterns and I would put zippers and shit on. I was like, I don't know what fucking show I thought I was on. So how mad were you and your straight relatives just tore through it and didn't even care? I was happy. I was like, oh yeah, rip it up. Oh my God. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm one of those annoying people that like really take in the wrapping job. Oh, and do you really time? I take my time. I'll yeah. go in like right and undo the That's tape and I kind am. of preserve the paper because I also like to give a lot of effort when it comes to the wrap and like the way it's ribboned and even little things like sage or palo santo like wrapped on the outside of the little gift and layers of the Ooh. gifts. Yes. All right. Next question. What is your favorite holiday horror movie? I'll say mine. Mine is Black Christmas, actually. Ooh. I love Black Christmas. I think it is such a great example of a slasher movie and one that is centered around fear and horror more than the slash and gore of it. But yeah, I love it. I'm going to pick a fun movie because as we learned on this season of the show, I love fun. Um, <laughs> and I'm going to say Gremlins because I think nice. people forget that Gremlins is a Christmas movie and it's awesome. <laughs> I am going to cement my place as the JK scene girl of Creatures of the Night and say Night Before Christmas. Is oh, that's a good That's one. a great one. That's love a good that one. We can't forget, though... Silent Night, Deadly Night is also just, I mean, you have to, right? <laughs> and let's, let's also not forget, if we're going to go there, Silent Night, Deadly Night 2. Right. Oh. Because that was the movie when I discovered my answer to what is the worst horror movie you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a gift that keeps on giving, honestly. I wonder how many gays realized that they were gay from watching Silent Night, Deadly Night. Because oh, the guy is like the hottest guy. I love those <laughs> 80s beefcake moments. We see some in Friday the 13th, too, and oh, it is yeah. hot. Well, for, I'm like, you Snacky. made the killer. <laughs> Everybody wants to get killed by this guy. Oh, yeah. There must be a whole huge pile of gay guys. Well, there's probably a huge hole, too. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, ugly. <laughs> yes. Y'all can't let me out of the studio this long. And... And on that note, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to review the 1980s Christmas horror classic, Christmas Evil, in this week's Junior Mints Movie Club movie review. So stay tuned. Welcome back, uglies, and for tonight's Junior Mints movie review, we are watching and discussing the 1980 holiday slasher Christmas Evil, written and directed by Lewis Jackson. A few fun facts about this movie before we get started. Christmas Evil was one of the films that were seized and confiscated in the United Kingdom during the video Nasty Panic, and the film stars Brandon Maggart in the lead, who you may recognize from another film we reviewed here on the podcast Dressed to Kill. Also, John Waters infamously loves this movie, and I think his feelings for the film probably help get it a cult following that I can't explain otherwise. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, I'd be hard pressed to explain it myself because I had never seen this movie before, and I had heard, like, oh, it's underrated, it's under celebrated, like it's a classic. And I watched it and I was like, where? 
Are we watching the same movie? <laughs> like, holy shit. But it does make sense that John Waters loves this movie because I think that the town that all of this happens on Christmas Evil is giving very much like a part of Baltimore. Did she just recap and review the entire movie like before we got started? No, I was just <laughs> thoughts yeah, she's like this little... movie sucks in any ways next listener questions <laughs> she's got somewhere to be <laughs> no i'm not i'm, I'm not trying to rush through it you mentioned it's a it's a cult classic and i instantly thought but why right and i think that's a great question yeah. <laughs> which i think we'll definitely get into all right so let's do just a quick recap and then we'll we'll talk about our feelings about the film so it starts off with the main character sitting on the stairs with their family at a young age. Mm -hmm. And I'll say one of the, the good things about this movie is the colors and the look in this first scene. Yeah. Right. Like the red carpet everywhere and the lighting and everything. It was kind of gorgeously shot. It, I will say that it lured me into a false sense of security for the mm -hmm. film because I literally, I texted y'all. I was like, Oh my God. The color, mama. The colors in this film. Mm -hmm. Ooh, reesh. Reesh. Well, we just talked about, like, why does the Christmas and, or the holiday season feel sort of, like, haunted? And I think, you know, we said things like the soundscape and the colors and the lighting. And I think this opening scene set it up to where I was like, oh, they're tapping the magic that surrounds, like, a house at Christmas. And it also lured me into a false sense of this is going to be good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because we quickly go away. We never see that again until the very end. Oh, and what an ending. <laughs> so let's do Let's stare through it. So we have this character. He's young, sitting there watching Santa Claus. I mean, to make a long story short, he sees Santa Claus with his mom doing something weird that I don't think any of us still understand, right? I mean, it's definitely it's definitely presented as something sexy. Mm -hmm. And yeah. in Santa is his dad dressed up, but he's seeing just Santa kind of like touch his mother. And I think that's something that just kind of like, he can't come back from. Does he ever touch her? Ian is, the, you know, what do you think? As the resident perv yeah. of the podcast, the uh, perv, the podcast perv, I don't think that he ever actually touches her. He does a lot of like saint in season four miming touching yeah. the mom. And I, I don't know. There was a lot of maybe sort of like, oh, 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 that kind of stuff, but like never actually like does anything to her. The actress is like, listen, I'll do this movie for the 50 bucks, <laughs> but nobody's touching me. Okay. Action. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> So then, you know, we kind of pick up with this guy later on in life. He's older. He's single. He lives by himself. He's sort of obsessed with Christmas, I guess. Right. And he's doing weird stuff. Right. Like he's sort of spying on all the kids in the neighborhood, which I don't really think would fly today. Oh, it was giving huge predator vibes. Yeah. Well, I think he's doing a lot of things that are twists of what santa would do oh santa is always watching mm -hmm. and he's keeping tabs on the kids but in a very creepy i mean santa is kind of a creep anyway but yeah, yeah he's not santa so i guess that makes it extra creepy right oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so he's keeping track of everybody he works in this factory then he sort of discovers that the people in the factory don't really like him either right mm -hmm. and then I mean, I guess what he succumbs to mental illness. I mean, what do you what do you all think is happening? Yeah, I here? think that's pretty much it in a nutshell. Like he's traumatized from that Christmas Eve where he saw Santa and his mother and he's just obsessed with it. And he's a lonely person. His brother, who we see when they're children, has inherited like the family home and he has a wife and kids. 
But this guy is just a loner. He's isolated. He's an unliked employee at this toy factory. He's a social weirdo. He's spying on kids and he's obsessed with Santa. And so when someone asks him to cover their shift and he finds out that they just did that to him so they could go drink and not invite him, he snaps. She snaps. Oh, she snaps. snaps. <laughs> she has her Selena Kyle and Batman yeah. Returns no, she, moment. With the snow and everything. Yeah. 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 Oh I'm God. serious. The sewing queen. <laughs> Tim Burton copied this movie. I I wouldn't be surprised. So he has his moment and he's crazily, you know, he he broke his Hello Kitty light and it (laughs) Uh says, hell Hell here. here. (laughs) (laughs) And he starts sewing up his Santa Claus outfit because, you know, you can't just get one of those. You can't just get one of those. No, absolutely not. And we're not just going to use like regular bleached white fur. We're going to use like a tufted sort of like aged dark fur. And this leads leads to my theory on this movie. You ready for it? I think that he's gay a hundred percent oh i could see that he's gay think about it he's by him he's single by himself and this is the time you know when this movie was filmed in the 80s like think you know even though it looked like it was in the 60s but whatever well the timeline's also a little funny because doesn't he spy his mommy kissing santa claus or santa doing something weird to mom like in 1947 something like that late 40s yeah yeah so the He's so, like 60. No. Oh, wait. No, does that make him 33? Yes. With, whoa, yeah, something like that. She's a hard 33. That is yeah. a hard 33. <laughs> that's, a, that's a 1980s that is a, that's a That's a Baltimore suburb 1980s hard 33. Oh, that is yeah. a pack a day sleeping on the floor 33, mama. Yeah, yeah so... So, yeah, that's my theory. My theory is that he's gay because you notice there's, like, no kind of tension or any kind of sexual thing or anything with women in particular. Mm-hmm. He He's mostly killing adult men. I don't well, know. Also, he doesn't really fit in with any of his male coworkers. Right. He sort of made the butt of the joke. I he actually has think dolls a- in his house. I mean, it's very, like, you know, an 80s version of what a gay guy would be. Oh, but yeah. think about it. I really like this idea. He knows idea. how to sew. <laughs> Queen, he's if, got a, a, a penchant for drama. If you were a straight horror writer in the '80s, this is exactly how you would write a gay guy. Bingo! About it. This is actually how I would write a gay guy so. today. <laughs> All right, so this is when he has his moment, and he's he becomes the killer, right? Yeah, I think this is when he's shaving at the mirror, and he's got the the shaving cream on his face, and he kind of gets giddy and weird and crazy, which this actor does quite a bit. And you're like, what? Wait, oh, I'm with you. I'm with you. Don't make that face. Where are we going? Where, where are you going with this? There, there's the second time that he does that too, where he puts, oh, and he's just got the wig glue at hand. He puts the mm-hmm. wig glue on his face and he glues it on. And then he is gooped, mom. He's like, oh, this is my real beard. Mm-hmm. This is my, this is my hair. Not wear wigs. <laughs> <laughs> and you notice a special toy in the background. Oh, oh yeah. There, there wait was, a minute. Wait. There was there was a truck in the background and written in a cursive, I think, glittery writing. It said, <laughs> "Dumpy." Oh no! <laughs> now it's me. Oh, my God. That gave me the joy I needed through the misery of watching Christmas Evil. Okay, so he stole. He went back to his work, which is a toy factory. He steals the toys to go give to kids at this children's hospital. Very mm-hmm. nice, yeah, right? Very nice. Very nice. But then he kills people too. Yeah. 
That's the part where I thought that I had missed something, honestly, because he's spray painting the car and then he's giving the toys to the hospital and we're all having a good time. We're all smiling. We're all laughing. And then suddenly, bam, stabs the guy outside the church in the aisle. I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, never mind. <laughs> like, oh, we're not I, well. They don't do a good story of explaining no, what we're happened. Well. No, I, I think the story goes left all the time. Like, I'm like, I'm with it. I'm with it. That's confusing. Yeah. I get it. Okay, now that's confusing. And, I, and this was one of them. It was giving <laughs> Frankie Doom's death scene in season one. Yes! Oh my god! <laughs> Didn't he like make that toy? He did with the the thing to stab the guy in yeah. the eye. Yeah. Like why? He worked in a toy factory. Couldn't find something there. Well, I think that the toy that he makes is a mutation of the toy that we see where everyone, they're just putting the weird lightning bolts in all the toy mm-hmm. soldiers' hands and he fashions some sort of weird lance. But <laughs> I don't know. I, the part that I was confusion on is when he's getting ready to go into the chimney and then he gets <laughs> Oh, you're good to the best part. <laughs> Mama. <laughs> Jack goes, wait, is this a John Candy's movie? <laughs> Literally, I was like, wait a minute. Is this funny or sc-? also I had to I paused it because I was like, is this movie about to end? Like, is he going to die? Oh, I thought he might I die. Thought I, thought, I thought he could like, die there, too. Yeah. I was like, wait. Is, is, oh, okay, short movie. Like, we're just <laughs> turned into a comedy movie for me. Yeah. I'm like, what is happening? He tried to jam himself <laughs> down the chimney. And then the faces he was making as he was struggling to get out. I'm like, yeah. this movie took a completely different turn. It was, the, it was literally the best part of the movie up until that point <laughs> yep. until... He kills that guy from the toy factory with the star. He like oh, literally yeah. tries with to smother. Pa- he tries to smother tent. him to death with a bag of toys. And when that fails, he rips off the tree topper, a star, and slashes him across the neck. And then I was like, "Okay, now I kind of love this." <laughs> a star made of paper, literally. Oh. Well, I just think that genuinely, I don't know that Santa Claus did anything wrong because he's delivering toys mm-hmm. to the kids at the hospital. He kills the people at the church who objectively are being really rude to him. Not that that justifies the killing, but I digress. And then I think that the wife was fully aware. She's like, oh my God, just let this guy die. Just let him die. Because she slept through the whole thing, <laughs> mama. I was like, she's still asleep? He, <laughs> oh, but the yeah. fun, the, again, the comedy of it is he's looking at her like he's in like planes, trains, and automobiles <laughs> making these funny faces like, oh my God, she's about to wake up. I'm like, is this funny or scary? Yeah. Oh, I have a question that we do not have the answer to, but do we ever know what he put in the bag? Because he leaves a bag of toys for a child named Moss, who is obsessed with Penthouse Magazine at the ripe old age of eight, <laughs> but he leaves this bag that's like for Moss and it has like a sad face on it, but we never, there's no conclusion to that, right? Bet it was a cut scene. They need to rele- release the Blu-ray and show release us what happened. Release the full floor show. <laughs> maybe, oh, maybe it'll release make it, the mom. show make sense. Show us the movie, Mom. <laughs> show us, Mom. Show us the whole floor show, Mom. <laughs> Unedited. Bring us back to the season three editing. We love it so much. <laughs> oh, mom. <laughs> so after this, a lot of weird stuff happens. 
Yeah, we our acid starts to really kick in. So he goes to a Christmas party and dances a little bit. He goes back to his brother's house, but he doesn't kill him, which I was very surprised. Yeah. They were definitely setting him up to kill him. Instead, the brother beats his ass and chokes, chokes him, him out. Him. Yeah. It drags him out in the snow, throws him in the van. Where he does his signature move, which is the side face punch, yes. which he basically tried to do to Moss Garcia. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I also love that... <laughs> I think that people were just built different in the 80s because the brother is not the most Israel muscle-bound steroid freak in the world. But mama, she is throwing his body around. Yeah. She's, she's oh, like, like one-handed by the scruff of the neck into the car. I was like, well, I feel damn. like I knew guys like that back in the day. They were kind of thin, but they were definitely solid. People were just built different. They I, were. I know some of them today. Oh, oh CD. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I can't wait to see CD again. <gasps> Let me know. So... Side punch. That was very random, but I thought for sure he was going to kill his brother, but he didn't. Mm-hmm. And so then we end the movie with him getting in his van. Actually, oh. he was chased by a mob of people <laughs> with torches. Yeah. Literally. Everybody had torches back then, I guess, in the 80s. Oh, yeah. Because they all looked the same. Fire. That was wild. They showed them all <laughs> lighting them. So everybody had one at home just in case. And then, which was good because they needed them. I just wondered at that point if the movie was trying to do something bigger. If it was trying to say, oh, it's sort of this Frankenstein thing or Santa is the monster, which I think is a cool thing to do if the rest of the movie lived up to that sort of commentary. And instead, we get the finale of the film. I have a controversial opinion. What is it? I think that Halloween Kills... (gasps) copied this movie (laughs) because it made about as much sense (laughs) no the torches in the town chasing him they Mm, they they made that up fuck frankenstein it's just (laughs) oh sorry mary shelley no christmas for you no no it was definitely because of this movie that they came up with that for halloween our santa was trying to charm these kids with his toys and mom and dad came up and they were like oh my god they've been hearing news flashes and and radio announcements that there's a killer santa on the loose and they freak out and they burn their branches and makeshift (laughs) torches and all of a sudden there's like an angry mob like a witch hunt santa's running through the streets he finds his van with this with on the side of the van is painted like a, a sleigh right like a classic sleigh and he's like chirping out and swerving all over the road and it's it's icy it's christmas and then Wait, before that, you notice how he didn't run any of them over? Oh, I actually thought that was really great. I kept thinking he was for sure going to run them over. And I wanted didn't. it. Why I do you thought- think he didn't do it? I don't know why he didn't, but I will say from a production standpoint, that was actually one of the things that I was kind of gagged at because there's a couple of scenes with the car. One where the brother is running at the car and then at the very last second, the car peels away. I was like, well, that's kind of... A- I- that's a stunt drive move that we would pull without a stunt driver. And then they do it again when he's swerving out of the way. And uh-huh. I was like, well, okay, come on, mom. You know what it might be? I think this character is kind of obsessed with the naughty and the nice list. And that's why Ooh. he snaps outside of the, the church because those they were so rude. And yeah. he had those moments of like, naughty. And like it was like so <laughs> uncomfortable and cringy. But and I and I think that. So even these adults that are after him may not be they, weren't on the they naughty thought they list. were doing the right thing but the brother was he just choked them to death so clearly he's on the naughty list oh, right oh, oh it's my theory that. comes back mm-hmm. to haunt yes. us wow. okay so we the finale of this movie <laughs> wow. is the santa claus killer is in his magical slave van and he drives over a bridge and he's about to plummet to his death but oh. instead the van starts 
to take off and it flies and his van flies off into the moon like Santa Claus and his sleigh. And so we're left with, I guess, assuming that he got away or maybe he really is Santa Claus. Now, I don't know what it is. Or was it like a kind of a flight of fantasy? You know, is it part of the delusion? And I I think right here we pick up with that magical quality that the very opening had. Mm -hmm. And the movie ran an hour and 40 minutes. If I could just cut out an hour and 30 and just watch the first five (laughs) minutes and the last five minutes, I would actually really love Christmas Evil. (laughs) Because at the end, I was like, this is crap. But it's high camp melodrama. And for that, there are some moments that I actually appreciate it. It's weird. There are some things that... I want to like about the film specifically. And this is how I know that I am a gay Santa Claus killer. (laughs) I really appreciate how dirty he gets throughout the movie. And just when you see him with the kids at the end with the switchblade, I mean, mama is haggard. Damien Leon needs to learn that from this movie. Get him dirty, mama. Art is always squeaky clean after he seriously chops up people and is covered in blood. And he walks out of the house and he does. All right. So we did our recap. Let's quickly do our review. How bad was this movie? One through 10. One being horrible and 10 being it's a great movie. Three. Five golden rings. Three for me as well. Okay. Was it scary? There is a scary scene, but overall, no. What's the scary scene? I think that the scene where Moss is getting into the car and the mom, oh my God, the mom slaps the (laughs) shit out of him. With the sound effect. (laughs) How dare you ruin my night? I was like, whoa, child abuse. Um, (laughs) But that scene I thought was actually very scary because he's hiding in the bushes and it's really creepy for a minute. I was like, oh, wait a minute. Is this going to take a turn? And then, no. I'm going to agree. I don't think it was scary, but that scene did have me a little on edge, which... That's all I can talk about. I don't think it was scary. I think it was eerie in a way that movies in that time can be quiet. It's not overly scored. There's weird suburban real life kind of energy where it's like, oh my God, someone could, you could definitely see like a serial killer in this atmosphere. So Mm -hmm. I did think it was successful with that. What's your favorite part? (laughs) (laughs) I think that my favorite part is in the very beginning when it's just the reveal that mom is hooking up with Santa Claus because I just, I felt like I was a kid on Christmas just watching the movie. Oh, okay. Oh, 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 oh. And I literally <laughs> texted you guys about it. And I think that I'm going to have to say, yeah. And what was that text? I'm just going to read it. <laughs> <laughs> so I texted the boules and I go, I just started Christmas evil. The colors, mama, the colors. Drac responds. We're watching it tonight too. Me. OMG, now Santa's eating mom's milk and cookies. Well, (laughs) that's when I was like, Ian is back. (laughs) Favorite part. I think my favorite part was the hope of the beginning. It looked cool and it was kind of giving me that dreamy magic quality that that Christmas brings. And then the very end, because they went, they just went insane and literally flipped it off the side, (laughs) which I loved. My favorite part is... The concept, the concept of gay Santa killer in the 80s, I buy that. So the concept that you put on the movie. (laughs) Yeah, that's what it is. They just don't know it. I'm telling you, it's what it is. I'm going to remake it. I'm remaking (gasps) it. Oh my God. That's right. That's actually not a bad idea. To be followed up by part two, which is going to be New Year's Evil. Thank you. See you at the theaters. I want to play Moss. That's me. 
All right, we're going to take another break and we'll be back to answer all of your listener mail. As a special treat for the holidays, we're going to try and catch up on as much as possible. There are lots of good questions in this one, so stay tuned. We are back, and Ian, I see that you have a giant red sack full of mail. So why don't you dig into it and let us answer some of these listener questions. I ate too many Christmas cookies. <sighs> Alyssa from London asks, Going off Blackberry's looks, I have a question. Do you think we'll have more challenges inspired by mythologies? Egyptian, Slavic, Germanic? I would say potentially. It's a slippery slope because you start having people potentially dressing up in other people's cultures and stuff. So that could be a little tricky, but potentially. Luke in Manchester asks, I'd love to know which housewife you would like to be a guest judge on the Belay Brothers Dragula. Oh, oh Luke, do I have to just pick one? <laughs> <laughs> I guess it depends on what the theme would be. So if it was a theme that they were had a particular expertise on then that might influence it but if it was just a straightforward like who's a good judge for dragula i'm gonna say phaedra parks mm. yes. not because Thank phaedra you. is my favorite housewife but because phaedra is gothic yeah people don't know person. right oh you're right she's she a, is. she's a freak too she's also like a, an ex-mortician she was an ex-mortician her and apollo dressed up like the adams oh, family for yeah. halloween yeah that's really a good hot. one she's secretly gothic so i guess her that's a really good one i go about this in two different ways i'm either going to pick someone from like the sexy hot girl troop one of the fun girls which could be tamra judge or lisa renna or that new Bryn from New York City, if the, yeah. if, if the challenge was kind of like glamorous and sexy. Or we can do the crazy girls, which would be, <laughs> which would be Kelly Dodd from the OC, who, and that is a, a seriously crazy bitch. But Marlo from Atlanta, or, and maybe even Danielle Staub, if we want to get really, really juicy and spicy and messy. Yeah, and Kelly, <laughs> the, Kelly Dodd was great on Orange County, by the way. She so was incredible. I think she should come back and fight some people. But anyways, yeah, that's our answer. Genevieve writes, my question is, what was your, quote, come to Jesus horror movie? In other words, what was the first horror movie you saw that ignited your love of horror? I think I've told this story before, but mine is Dracula, the old black and white Dracula, uh, which I watched when I was like, I got to say I was four or five. I don't know. I was at my grandparents' house and I stayed up. But I don't know. It's very weird when I think back. I'm like, why did that? In what world did this happen? <laughs> anyway. They left me up and I slept in the living room on the couch and I watched Dracula by myself while everyone else in the house went to sleep. But I loved it. I, it was actually like a happy place for me. It was comforting. That's the movie for me. I had to wait till kind of like the early to mid 80s to discover mine. And I've talked about this before, how much Hellraiser sort of like rearranged heaven and earth for me. But I think I saw another movie before that that really showed me where horror could go. And that was Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors, Ooh, nice. which I still love to this day. And I think they do such cool stuff and play with the psychological aspects of horror in the dreamscape and all the fantasy and gore and fun. Like, I love it. I love your love of comedy but also 80s kitsch horror that you bring to our stuff oh I love thank you it. 
I love it. How about you, Ian? Do you have a, a horror favorite that inspired I have, you? I similarly have been watching horror since I was a wee little baby. Um, I would say Nightmare for Christmas, which I've already said, but I have this really distinct memory of going to see The Ring when I was a kid. Mm. And I was in, I think, like the second or third grade, and I was unwell. I, as, as a 10-year-old kid going to see The Ring, <laughs> Mama, my floors are messed up. Tom from Philadelphia writes, One of my favorite challenges from the Boulay Brothers' Dragula was season two's outing to Wasteland Weekend. Ooh. I've always wondered what the reception to drag artists performing at such a rough and tough venue was like, and why you've never returned to film another apocalyptic challenge there. The reaction was great. We hosted Wasteland Weekend years before we ever took the show there, so the reception was good because we are from there. We're one of them, so it, it, it fit very well. I mean, if I took Alyssa Edwards there, it might not work out so well, but you never know. You never know. Yeah, I, I think we come from the same place that a lot of the people that go out to Wasteland Weekend come from, which is like this sort of counterculture. Yeah. And they just recognize like, oh, you're like another punk spirit. So it, it was fine. Like we blended very well. Yeah, a lot of them used to come to the clubs that we threw in LA before Wasteland Weekend. So the crossover was there. But as far as why we haven't been back there the show was still small there and no one knew who any of them were so we were able to take them there and they could battle and be out in the open and be filmed and no one cared who they were we could never do that today because people would recognize who these queens are start taking pictures of them and stuff Mm -hmm. like we just couldn't pull it off spoilers Brittany from indiana writes I would love to get a tattoo of your faces specifically the marionette versions of the boulets and a version of ian Ian, you were so kind and fun at the meet and greet. I was just as excited to meet you at the Titans tour as the Titans themselves. But I would not want to do that if that was too far or weird at all for you. Well, Brittany, it is too far and it is too weird. And for those reasons, you should absolutely do it. Logan writes. I was wondering if y'all are aware that you share a surname with twin baddies from the Sailor Moon universe. I was reading the manga and happened upon our lunar homegirl being harassed by twin baddies with long white hair. And what name do they go by? The Boole Brothers. Distant cousins with an alternate spelling, perhaps? That weirded me out. Someone mentioned that like a year or two ago on the podcast. I never knew that. I'm wondering if, I don't know, you know, if they, if it came out after us and maybe they saw it. Because I feel like... I feel like there's a couple of creatives that have come out with (laughs) twin characters that look like us. Mm. You know what I'm saying? That Mm -hmm. maybe thought back in the day that we were like, oh, these are these club characters. I'll never see them. I don't know. So who knows? Well, how many times and in how many different ways does the mainstream kind of reach into queer culture and club culture and bring it out? Oh, yeah. it's cool. 100% and interpret it. Very badly, but anyways, next Yeah, the Bull, the Bull Brothers are cool. We were unaware of them at the beginning. They do have some minor powers. Ours are major, so that would be like a big distinction. Sorry. Vincent from Tennessee writes, Was wondering if either of you have any video game horror inspirations or are into that genre of horror. If so, what video game series do you like, if any? A little bit. I did used to play one way back in the day called Alone in the Dark, which was a horror game that was very scary. It was a PC game. And then more recently in the last five years, I did play Dead by Daylight a little bit, or as I like to call it, Palette Nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
Little Kids with Pallets, Fuck You, is what I'd like to rename that game. I also played, what was the other one? No, I can't remember it. Oh, no, oh, Res, one Resident, of the Resident Evil, Evil. 2. Yeah, Resident Evil 2, which I loved. I had a lot of fun playing that. was that. scary. Yeah, but that's it. You're not you're not really into like horror video games, right? I don't play video games to get scared. That is not that is not my <laughs> bag. I did play Morrowind like back in the day. It was like an RPG oh, game. Yeah. And I remember <laughs> swimming around the dark water and I was like you know, I'm like a dark elf, like this is happening. And these piranhas came out and started snapping at me. I was horror. I mean, uh, my skin crawled. I couldn't believe how freaked out I was from this game. So now I just watch over Drax shoulders. It's much more entertaining watching the the real horror of Resident Evil, because that actually was really scary. And it was so entertaining to watch Drax try to kill these little kids in Dead by Daylight. Yeah. We, Ian is now a Twitch queen, so you know all about all of them. So Ooh, what do you think? I love horror games. I do not have a huge knowledge of every horror game that's ever been made, but I love Resident Evil Village with, of course, Lady Demetrisque, our Dommy Mommy Vampire Mom. I love the Finance at Freddy series. And yeah, I scare super easily. Like, as the Boulets know, if you go to a haunted house with me, my mom's screaming. And so <laughs> when I play horror games... My mom's screaming. <laughs> What's the one horror game that everyone should play if they only play one? Ooh, I am going to say that... I'm actually just going to give a shout out to Resident Evil Village right now. Okay. I'm playing it and it's fucking awesome. It's so good. I actually think you guys should play it. Is it scary? Like, is it, is it as scary as Resident Evil 2? No, I don't think so. It's more fantasy driven. Oh, Oh, yeah. It's it's got vampires and lichens and uh, haunted marionettes, and it's it's very fantasy for a Resident Evil game, and it is fucking faboosh. I want Uh a good, big budget, scary game to play. So if anyone at home knows of one, definitely tell me. Sam asks. Hello, lovelies. One of my favorite all-time challenges is the one where the contestants had to reimagine classic horror villains and monsters. If you had to partake in that challenge, who would you choose and why? I'm going to draw from a movie that I just came across this week. I have not really seen because we were trying to decide which movie we were going to review for Junior Men's, and we chose Christmas Evil. I wish I went the other way um, (laughs) because the other movie was... Ginger Dead Man versus Evil Bong. So for me, <laughs> for me, the redo would be Evil Bong. Be- oh and why? God. Because it's fucking incredible. <laughs> I would have chose Freddy to redo. Because Ooh. I don't know why nobody picked it. Because you have this character who rules over all nightmares. Oh my God, there's so many different directions you could go. I think Bride of Frankenstein would be fun to reinterpret as well. I also think Lon Chaney's character in London After Midnight is so iconic, but nobody mm. really knows what it's about. Yeah. That would be a fun, because it's, it's iconic. You would recognize For sure. what it is. And I don't want to do this, but I want someone to do it. The Blob. Oh, yeah. Make yeah. the blob. I want someone to come sliding out on the <laughs> stage, covered in glop. You could build it out of chicken wire. and I mean, you could do a good, you could really Someone do could it do it. They Someone could. could definitely do it. The blob versus evil bong. <laughs> John from Manchester asks, you mentioned you loved the bucket woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The Bucket Woman from Keeping Up Appearances. Is there any other UK TV shows or sitcoms which you've watched? Before we go to the other UK sitcoms, I just said this yesterday. We're driving down the road and I'm like, out of nowhere, Drac, 
in one of the openers of season six, you have to answer the phone again and say, this is the Boulay residence, the, the lady of the house speaking. The lady of the house speaking. No, you cannot have a number seven with the side of Chinese. <laughs> this is not the Chinese takeaway. Yes. Actually, before I ever watch Keeping Up Appearances, I used to watch Are You Being Served religiously. It was my favorite show, and I love it, and I love Mrs. Slocum, and that's another character that would inspire my drag. Oh, I think so, for sure. And two other ladies come out of a different British sitcom that I think is incredible, which would be Ab Fab, yeah. which I think oh, yeah. Drac and I also need to do. In my Rolodex of possibilities, we are doing Ab Fab in the next season. And French and Saunders was really good, too. I mean, there's a lot There's a lot of, of Britcoms, and they actually have a new section on Amazon video that's like Britbox, and you can sort of watch all of those shows. Also, Britcoms is a sleigh. You never heard that before? No, I love it. <laughs> Dan, there's a new physical grab and swipe motion Drac has started doing this season during your cinematic intro endings prior to the floor show. What inspired that? Can we expect more of these fun physicalities tied to new seasons? So that was to remind people that we are directing the season. So we're still controlling the camera even though we're in front of it. That's all. Lacey asks... What was the most difficult death scene to film? Emotionally or physically? (laughs) Should we answer both? I'm going to say the most challenging was season four, episode one, because we sort of made it a music video with time to die. And so we were all out there in the woods in the middle of the night with Fermelda and Zava. And it was a whole big ass thing. (laughs) That was a heavy lift. Yeah. Lane from Detroit writes, I've always wondered, I know you direct the floor shows to make sure the monsters show their best stuff, but is there music being played while they're performing their looks or is it just directed in silence? What are the vibes when filming the floor shows? It's the same music, the same music plays that you see on the show. So, cause if you didn't do that, then they wouldn't be walking to the beat. It would be kind of odd. So the vibe is quiet. It's very silent. So you have a whole lot of people in the room and a whole lot of cameras and equipment and stuff, but it's very quiet. That's the part maybe that's a little odd to me. The music is loud, so they're hearing it and they're moving to it, but I'd, I'd say that's... The vibe is just quiet and awkward. We give the loud music because it gives some energy. And I think it kind of emulates what it's like to perform drag in like a club. The audience is sort of there, but the entire crew is like super silent. The music we try to make as loud as possible to give them something to sort of like feed off of. If it was just absolutely silent with no music, that would be a whole nother show. Nothing like serving, serve, serve face, honey, in an empty room where you can't see anybody with no, and they give you no reaction. That's the part. Uh That's the part that's Uh the weirdest is there's no no reaction. So you don't know if you did good, bad, or whatever. That's the most awkward part, I'd say. Veronica asks, The floor shows have been amazing to watch, but I was shocked nobody picked up on the Rocky Horror references. Can you think of another challenge theme you assumed was obvious, but the entire cast didn't quite pick up on? Off the top of my head, I feel like generally our competitors really understand like our sense of horror and pop culture and like counterculture and i think they usually hit the mark well i would say that for me i think that one challenge where i was a little surprised at the looks was ghost ship glamour from season four and i think that sometimes when we have these challenges where you know the challenge is hey do glamour sometimes people get confused and they're like oh well i'm gonna serve 
horror, ghostly, blah, 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 glamour. And I'm like, I just want to see a cut crease, mama. I want to see you look hot. Like, look hot and sexy. I was talking. I was talking. I was talking. Fine, I'm not talking. Luke from North Carolina writes, As the people who make the decisions about who lives and who dies each week, how do you feel about the idea that someone was cut too early? It's the nature of the beast. It's the nature of the competition. If you don't send people home every episode, then what's the point of when, you know what I mean? It's just the nature of, of competition format. So I don't think anything of it. I think it's the way the cookie crumbles. Sometimes it's fate and it's unpredictable and it's uncontrollable. Also, you never know what the future holds. Sometimes we see competitors who air quotes went home too early and then they have an amazing career and come back on the Titans season and tour with us. And then they come back as a guest for another season of the show. So, um, I'd say there is no such thing as getting cut too early. And finally, we have a comment, not question. Thorne writes, I feel like you can stop explaining yourselves about why you do things and explaining that you do things the way that you want to do them. I feel like your brilliance is inherent in the process and the final product. And if people don't get that, I would just ignore it. I think all the energy you spend combating some of the stupid comments and questions could be better spent recharging, fucking, or playing, or something. Period. Int- well, I, I appreciate the I thank the you comment. so much for this, yeah. You do want to appeal to the audience a little bit and give them some of them ask questions. It's like, okay, sure. Like let's give them that. So they understand what's happening. So some of it is a little bit of a way for us to reach the audience, but I actually think they're wise in what they're saying. And from now on, we will no longer answer anything or talk about anything ever again. And I agree. We should be spending our time that way. Thanks Thorne. And on that note, thanks for listening, everyone. That's the last question we're going to answer. Happy holidays. I hope you're having a fantastic holiday season. If you have a question, definitely send it in to us at creatures at belaybrothersdragula.com. And we will see you back here next week for another special episode of the Belay Brothers Creatures of the Night. The Belay Brothers Creatures of the Night is hosted and produced by Drachmorda and Swanthula Belay, along with co-host Ian DeVogler with music by Neuron Spectre.